Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Health Science Podcast. My name is Devin Box, and I'm your host. That music right there, as always, brought to you by the talented Chase Drew. If you want to check out more of his stuff, go to wherever you stream. You'll find him there. And if you're into metal music, even better. He's got a new band called Road to Elysium. Um, go listen to that as well. My co-host is Zach Hunter, and got to keep the Christmas vibes going here on the of Health course. Science Podcast. So today, Zach, the question is, what is your favorite Christmas memory? This is hard because it's very broad. It could be, it could be watching a movie. It could be a tradition that you guys do. Uh, it could be a food. What's your favorite memory? Oh, for sure. Like every Christmas Eve, my dad makes these cheese buns. So, um, like he doesn't done it like recently, but I, I remember being like 12 years old and like, he would always pull them out cause we would never have them any other time of the year. So like you, <laughs> it was always a real treat when whenever we'd have these like cheese buns on Christmas Eve dinner. So that's uh, <laughs> like, when you think about Christmas, that's like the go-to is cheese buns. Cause cheese buns. I like it. Um, uh, mine was, uh, my favorite memory was seeing my grandparents early in the morning. I remember when I was little, they would actually stay over at my place. Um, and they, they'd literally sleep next to the tree. <laughs> so that we could get like right to the festivities like the second we woke up and you know how that'd be when you're a kid it's no. like there's no such thing as patience on on christmas morning 6 a.m wake up call <laughs> um and i just i loved having them around on, on christmas eve and, and being able to kind of run downstairs and everybody's just there right you yeah. didn't have to wait it just it felt like you were you were just free yeah um now we'll get to the topic today so zach you know i love to bring guests onto the show mm-hmm. um, i think it's a great way to showcase some new and exciting research um, and it helps us to understand different fields of research that we might not be familiar with. Right. Um, so today I'm super excited to have Justin Robar on to talk with us today. Now I'm going to give a brief intro. So Justin completed his undergraduate degree in psychology and sociology at St. Thomas University in Fredericton, um, where he's a varsity rugby player for four years. Uh, Justin volunteered with a sport for development program in 2015 where he taught rugby in Zambia, Botswana, and Namibia. During his travels, uh, Justin knew that this was the field of research for him. So to continue his learning, he then completed his master's degree in sport management at Brock. Um, He then found himself here at Western University, where he's currently completing his PhD in the management and leadership stream for kinesiology. So Justin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks very much for having me, guys. I'm looking forward to it. Now, I know that you've got a lot of stuff to share, but I just wanted to kind of set the table really quickly. Um, On the Health Science Podcast, we like to talk quite a bit about the benefits of exercise. I mean, my background is kinesiology, so of course. Um, And the more that I've learned about exercise, um, the more I've realized that it seems like its benefits don't really have a ceiling. Like, it just keeps going. Like, if, if you think of any part of your life, um, the exercise could probably benefit it. And it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. So I was talking with, with Justin about his work, um, and, and started to kind of realize that, uh, what he's about to show is, is just another way that exercise, and in this case, more specifically sport, um, can be used to benefit our health in some capacity. So, right. um, Justin, um, I'm going to try to follow along here. We're going to ask questions as we go, but the, uh, the show is yours. Awesome. Um, my research focuses on sport for development. So a little bit of context uh, for the listeners. Sport for development is the idea of using sport for developmental outcomes. Uh, a lot of that time that represents itself in educational outcomes, uh, addressing social issues and things along those lines. 
Uh, I want to talk about my master's research specifically and uh, the experience I had coaching again uh, in uh, Malawi, um, but also being a researcher as well. Uh, it was an interesting experience. Just a little bit of context. Uh, as you mentioned, I, uh, I volunteered the first time in the Zambia, Botswana, and Namibia. And that was my first experience with sport for development. Um, when I got back, I uh, conducted my research project for my undergraduate thesis, critically examining my own experience. Um, there's a lot of literature in sport for development that talks about the negatives that can be associated with sport for development, like colonialism, power relations, income inequality, and things like that. And there's a couple stories from my first experience. I'll short, uh, share a quick one to kind of highlight some of the inequalities that we've experienced through sport for development. I was playing with the team of coaches that I was in Botswana with against the uh, one of their men's developmental teams. And we were talking about where I came from, Canada, where other uh, coaches came from. And I asked one of the players if he ever wanted to visit Canada. And he had said, oh, I'll never have enough money to do that. I hope to, but it's just very unlikely. And it kind of really hit hard for me that, oh, there is some issues with some middle-class um, volunteers coming from the global north, coaching rugby and other sports in the global south. So I really that kind of hit home of, okay, I want to figure out how we can do this in the best way possible because it was apparent to me that there is powerful and power in sport. I played rugby. It had a massive impact on my life. Um, and then also coaching the kids that I did when I was down there, it, it was evident that it was having a big impact on them. So that's what kind of sparked my interest in sport for development is like, how do we take this powerful tool of sport uh, for achieving education, development, and even just the benefits associated with exercise like you talked about, and how do we get the most out of that? Um, and that kind of led to going to my master's uh, at Brock. And as uh, you know, uh, go through your master's, you change topics, you don't know what you're exactly going to get into. And then um, suddenly one day I got an email from the uh, the guy who runs the organization and they were asking if I wanted to come back and volunteer because they were building a sport and education center in a rural part of Africa. And it just landed right in my lap. It was right in line with what I would do research of how do we do this properly. Um, so that's kind of what sparked that and how I ended up doing this project. So the organization is building a, building a sport and education center in a rural community. Um, and on the, at the center, they would have classrooms, they would have a rugby pitch, um, volleyball, netball, and soccer as well. Um, and then I wanted to research how do communities understand uh, sport for development and how what are their perceptions of the impacts that it's been having on the community? Because this organization had been working there since 2011 and I went in 2019. So what do the community members really Feel that sport has been doing to help their community. Um, and I'll outline my research questions just briefly. Um, first one being what do community members, which included teachers, parents, and former participants involved in a sport for development initiative perceive the impacts of the program? That was really the overarching one. Um, how have community members been engaged in the various stages of the development and implementation of the program, which is very important for um, sustainability and sport for development, which addresses a lot of those critical issues that uh, I highlighted in um, 
my critical analysis of my own experience? And then what are the current and anticipated impacts of the sport education center being constructed by the sport for development organization? So this question really focused on what do community members think that the impacts will be of this center, but also what happened so far. Um, my first real finding was the economic development um, through the center. A lot of people were very excited that the center would provide some economic stimulation to the region. Uh, this might not be thought of for a lot of people uh, understanding sport and thinking, oh, how can sport provide economic development? But a, a lot of the participants I interviewed were very hopeful that bringing the center would stimulate jobs. So there'd be groundskeepers, uh, garden tenders, uh, cleaners, cooks, uh, managers for the facility, but also it would bring in economics of people coming to visit. And many participants were hopeful that this would lead to like an urbanization of the community stemming from the center. So that was a very interesting finding. Um, and then use by the community was the next in relation to the center specifically. Um, this community, this was the only facility that was really like this. There was no community centers per se. Um, so a lot of community members were very hopeful that it could be used for politics. It could be used for gatherings. It could be used for other events that aren't specifically related to sport. Obviously, it will be used for sport, but these were what community members were very hopeful that it could be used for as well. Education opportunities, which is, in my opinion, might be the most important thing that can stem from sport for development. Um, I have a quote here that's from the um, head of the organization, and he said, in the long term, we'll be a part of the community. Sport will be there, but programs might lead to families learning small-scale farming or to be a bike mechanic and open up their own shop. So a lot of people that I interviewed and worked with were very hopeful that they would be able to provide community education programs that were actually relevant to the specific community. So instead of just random uh, education opportunities that might not be uh, specific to the, the program itself, um, they're very hopeful that they could bring in community relevant programming uh, by working with different individuals to understand what the needs of the community are. Um, so another find that was uh, very enjoyable for me was the community engagement aspect. So I spent two and a half weeks in this community and I was a coach as well as a researcher. Um, so working closely with the community was awesome for me. Um, I'm, I want to highlight the work of one individual um, that really kind of sums up this community engagement. There was one teacher that I worked with. His name was John. And my first day of coaching, I ran a lot of the programming and stuff. And by the end of the two week periods, he running all of the sessions. So he started off by asking me questions here and there. And then the next day he said, can I run a full program? And then eventually by the end of the week, he was doing it and he was doing better than I ever could. Right. Because he knows the local language. These are his students. And I was just providing him feedback like, Oh, split this group into two. So more people can be participating and things like that. So really with the community developing the rugby specific programming uh, was awesome for me uh, and that was a very fun part of doing my research project. Uh, cultural exchange was also very uh, interesting. I have a quote that uh, has stuck with me ever since my project. Um, there was a big aspect of dancing in this culture and um, one day all the kids broke into dance seemingly at random to me and I 
said to one of the teachers, like, well, what's going on? Like, why is everyone dancing? She said, oh, we just dance here. And I said, I don't really know how to dance. And she replied and said, what do you mean you don't know how to dance? <laughs> um, so that just kind of summarizes some of the culture exchange. But um, there was other aspects, for example, sugarcane I'd never eaten uh, just on the stock, and they do it very commonly there. Uh, and one of the teachers showed me how to do it, and all the kids were around laughing. Um, but also they asked me a ton of questions about Canada, and all the other coaches that I worked with came from various uh, countries, a lot of the UK, Europe, uh, America. So there was a big cultural exchange, but also this center acted as kind of a hub because uh, we worked with six different schools in the community. So all of the different schools would come together for one big um, tournament day. So all these different communities came together and there was cultural exchange between those communities as well, where the sport was bringing all of these people together who were close geographically, but ne might never have the opportunity to interact otherwise. So it um, would be beneficial for uh, community members in that way as well. Sponsors and partnerships are very interesting in sport for development. Um, the sponsor that we had uh, was very tied to the community. They provided a lot of uh, resources for the community, um, things along the line of kit, like rugby balls and uh, gear and things like that. But also they provided food for the entire community on our tournament days. Um, so partnering with uh, relevant sponsors is extremely important in sport for development. And then arguably um, the biggest finding in relation to the introduction you provided with education and sport is the development of the individual participants in these sport for development programs. Um, I'll highlight one quote from a former participant who is now a coach. He said to me, so we talk of conflict resolutions, we talk decision-making, we talk building self-esteem and having full confidence. We talk a lot of skills that they have to learn so they're able to live in the community better without any challenges and without some conflict. So he was talking about children who are in the program who were developing uh, values and skills like teamwork, discipline, um, conflict resolution, critical thinking skills, things like that that can be developed through sport. Uh, and this was identified to me by teachers who work with a lot of these youth in the rugby programming, but also in their schools. Um, they highlighted that children are more likely to uh, do well in school if they're participating in the rugby programming. They're more likely to attend school because they're only allowed to do the rugby program if they're attending school. Um, and they noticed one teacher actually transferred from uh, a different school to the school I was coaching at. Uh, and she noticed that kids that played rugby there were more likely to practice uh, critical thinking. Um, they're more likely to participate in class and things along those lines. So the pro-social development for the individual participants, there's a lot of literature on that, that maybe we're just applying these Western ideals that we have to the participants. But I wanted to understand what what the teachers and community members and parents actually thought. So. It was interesting to see their perspective and um, a lot of the teachers have been working there for quite a long time. So they had the opportunity to see this kind of longitudinally in a way that me being there for two weeks, I wouldn't have been able to witness, but they really highlighted the impact it's had, especially on the, the youth that are participating in these programs. Professional development is another uh, interesting way that the sport for development program made an impact on the community. Uh, there's 
two particular cases I'd like to highlight. One is uh, this rugby development officer who worked in the community. He first coached with me actually in 2015 in Zambia and Botswana. And then he came on full time for the organization in 2018. And now he works full time as the rugby development officer in this community. Um, so he developed professionally quite a bit from working with this organization in 2015 to now. Um, and another um, individual I worked with, he started coaching rugby with this organization and now he actually runs the sports scheduling for his entire district of school. So that was an opportunity that sport kind of presented for himself. Other ways that professional development took place, uh, a lot of teachers uh, discussed that they were more like they felt more comfortable in the classroom working with kids um, and that they had different opportunities now because of the coaching that they have had, um, both experienced coach and then working with us in coaching seminars and things along those lines. So it was interesting to see how the teachers are impacted, which also goes back to making an impact on the kids through better education. If they feel more confident as teachers, they're going to be more likely to be better teachers, right? Um, and then one thing that we kind of, I think, take for granted a lot in North America, especially, is just the sheer opportunities of recreation and sports that we have. Um, a lot of the teachers and community members highlighted this concept of just having a positive environment for the youth to participate in. Um, and there's one quote um, by one of the prominent coaches in the community. Uh, he said, here in the country, we're using, uh, we use a saying, which goes like, an idle mind is a devil's workshop. When someone is just standing there, you can think of them going somewhere and doing malpractice, which can negatively affect his or her health. But because they're busy with sporting activities, rugby is an example. They don't have the time to go around and do some other bad stuff that can negatively affect their lives. So just having the opportunity for the youth to participate in sport and not, for example, go participate in drugs or crime. Um, a lot of the older community members, some parents highlighted this to me, some teachers, uh, they really highlighted just how important it was that the kids have an opportunity once school's over to do something that is productive and for their health and things along those lines. Um, development of female participants. This was on top of the pro-social development I talked about uh, previously. Um, there's When I was coaching, another coach who had been with the organization in a couple countries prior to the one I was coaching in, she looked at me and said, this is the first country I've been to that they will pass to girls first. And then that was something that I started to look out for because coached previously um, is how the uh, girls and female participants in this uh, program, how they were, um, how they fit in. And I started talking to teachers about it. And one teacher in particular highlighted that girls who participated in, in rugby were more likely to participate in class they're more likely to speak up. Um, we put some, for each of our teams that we had, we had the captain and we picked uh, girls to be captains and there was no fuss from some of the, the boys, which in other countries I've coached and in other countries other coaches have uh, coached in, that might not be the case. Um, and a lot of the coaches that we were working with were female and they were teachers in the schools that were in the community and the, the concept of having a positive female role model really gave the younger uh, female participants someone to look up to. Um, 
as a coach, as a teacher in various aspects. So that was uh, something I didn't originally anticipate when I was going into, uh, when I was visiting to do my research. Um, But it quickly became apparent that this was extremely impactful on the female participants, even more than just uh, the male participants. And uh, last thing I want to talk about a little bit, and then we can get into questions if you want, is the there's this concept of sport for development and sport development. So sport for development is the idea of using sport developmental outcomes. And then sport development is more developing sport related skill and high performance sport. A lot of the sport for development literature that's critical talks about the using sport for just uh, high performance development isn't necessarily the ideal. And I would agree with that, but it's nonetheless going to be a byproduct anytime you're coaching youth a sport there's going to be some type of rugby or high high performance uh sport development um and a lot of people were community members were very excited about this um all the teachers and community members were hopeful that this country's uh national team would end up being a higher caliber level and maybe make it onto the world seven series in rugby eventually and a lot of the players and former participants were very excited for potential opportunities to play at a higher level of rugby, but also to potentially scholarship in Europe or the U S or Canada to play rugby at some of the schools that offer scholarships where they might not have those opportunities otherwise. So yes, sport development should never be the goal of a program, but there are some positive outcomes that that can happen. Oh my God. Okay. I've been, I've been trying to write down questions as we went through, but, um, Really good job there. I got everything, but there's some stuff um, we kind of just wanted to um, elaborate on too. So earlier on, you had mentioned, um, uh, let me go back to your slide. You were talking about the sustainability and why you wanted to go, you know, to these countries and and get some one-on-one experience. Um, Now I've seen some programs and I think it's, it's usually bigger companies that get a lot of slack or a lot, a lot of heat for this is, um, you know, they will, they will spend a bunch of money or they will send a bunch of equipment to a country. Um, and I think a lot of people can look at that. And so it's just kind of a publicity stunt, right? It really doesn't do much. So how important is it in some of these programs to not only spend money, time and effort, but to, to monitor, to get these updates, to involve the community and to actually think that the changes you're making, you're not just throwing it into a hole, but that you are empowering the people to use that. So how important is kind of getting feedback on the sustainability of a program? Um, I think that's one of the really growing bodies of litter in sport for development right now is as evaluation and monitoring. Um, for a long time, there was not a ton of pressure on organizations to monitor or evaluate how the programs have been making an impact because we really assume that just sport on its own is beneficial and that just by participating in sport, something positive will come. So that's the way a lot of organizations um, evaluated their program was how many participants were in the program and sponsors were okay with that for a, a long time, but also there wasn't an incentive for organizations really to 
too, too hard at their programming. Because, for example, if you're a not-for-profit organization and you're re- relying heavily on sponsors, which most of these organizations are, and you do some proper evaluation, A, it's very expensive. B, if it comes back that you're having a negative impact, you're likely going to lose your sponsorships and partnerships. So the, the, a lot of the critical literature is outlining that proper evaluation and monitoring has to take place. Um, and from my understanding, more organizations are doing Doing this, for example, the organization I worked with, I'm starting to help them with uh, evaluation and monitoring, and they they're very open, to, um, but they put themselves in a place that they're not as reliant on uh, monetary sponsors. Um, so hopefully, organizations moving forward will start to evaluate more. Um, as there's been some big um, moves in sport for development with. Uh, organizations that aren't particularly like for-profit organizations starting to put in more funding. So that's kind of allowing for um, more proper evaluation. The reason I wanted to bring it up too was Zach, um, we had a conversation with our buddy Spencer about um, kind of the structure that nonprofits use, like just, I guess we'd say like a typical kind of charity. I think what we had gotten a discussion of is saying like, I was questioning, well, like what, how do you know a charity works? How do you know the money's going to a good place? And, um, and Zach and Spencer are more versed in that field. And they said that, well, right now they kind of just look at, well, how much does, how much money does actually go to operations? Yeah. Like a per dollar versus the actual charity itself, like, like going to the initiative. And I think, you know, the, the more, the more money goes toward operations. I think most people look at that and they say, well, it's not as inefficient of a nonprofit, I think, well, that's crazy. Like if you spent more money on the operations, maybe you could grow it. Maybe you could have a better operation and reach more people, right? So I think in that case, it, it's a good example of kind of reevaluating how we, how we're, how we're evaluating, you know, the, like the benefit of a program. Yep. Is it just the dollar amount that we're sending or is it how, how can we actually extract the most usage? And I think you have to definitely start that by, by measuring something right by by really following up and measuring the impact so that's that's a really good thing to hear for those programs mm-hmm. um so my second question is you mentioned that there are people kind of learning skills you say like fixing a bike um how how much control in that case would you see how much control does the community have in kind of um using the space to their advantage like do they do they get to personalize it and really kind of create their own experience in that case um or is it a little bit more rigid toward the sport so what did you see in that so um, with this organization, um, they originally were only going to have a rugby pitch and then working with uh, the community, especially the rugby development officer that I talked about, they decided that they're going to in netball and volleyball because that's what the community wants. It, so, and when I was discussing this with the head of the organization, he said like he wants this to be the community center. It's registered as a, in, in the actual country. Um, as under a charity in that country instead of from the UK. Um, but in the long term, the plan is to upskill local community members. So eventually it's being just self-sustained and run by the community um, so they can run the programming that they want to. Um, the organization, they don't want to implement just programming that they see fit. They, For example, the agriculture and the bike shop, uh, the bike training that was thought of by working with community members and understanding what the community needs. 
Okay. Now my next question then, um, I, I found it really fascinating is, um, where you kind of, I, I was it a teacher, a coach that kind of, you said took over, like you, you helped them with all kind of the rugby specific stuff, but then they did a really good job of, of kind of just taking it and running. Um, how, how important is it then for that sport for development programs really empower? And that the, the term I always like to use is, 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 um, like a hand up, not a handout. So I always love kind of programs like this where you're able to teach a skill or give somebody, you know, something where they can take it and really um, run with that. So how important is that? And then does that approach um, kind of change potentially some of those power relation concerns if you're able to, you know, basically give them the reins um, to run the program that, that they want? Uh, yeah. So to your first question, the first time I actually went uh, and coached this organization, the the head of the organization said to me, because uh, I was at, just talking to him about some of the things that I was ex- uh, discussing in my critical sport for development literature. And I was like, what's, what's the goal um, of running these programs? And he said, ideally, we won't have to be in the community anymore. Like they'll be able to run it on their own. So talked a lot about upskilling. Um, and things like that, which kind of uh, speaks to your hand up, not hand out. Um, but yeah, upskilling community members to to run the program. So you don't need to bring in some 20-year-old from Canada to coach. They can do it on their own, right? Um, and so what was your second question again? It was just, does that change kind of the viewpoint with those power relations? Like, so there's not you know, the, the more wealthy country or more wealthy group of people kind of just, um, you know, bestowing, you know, their culture or their understanding on a group, but empowering them to kind of take it. Does that change um, kind of the perspective that you look at some of those power concerns? Uh, yeah, for sure. So a lot of the sport for development literature talks about taking a bottom up approach. So for a very long time, not all organizations and programs have done this, but there was this like implementation of just giving the community program, like we'll run the program and they should just be grateful that there is a program being run for them. Now it's starting to shift to, okay, we have to engage the community, stand what they need, what, what are their needs? What do they want out of a program and working with them at every step of the process. So developing the program, implementing the program, running the program, and then evaluation, um, all has to be integrated with the community because that's how um, sport for development and really any development initiative is going to make the biggest impact is working with the community. So, um, and there's more risk for culture and things like that. Now uh, the sport for development movement really started in the early two thousands. Now there's more cultural sensitivity and really working with the community to let's make the big impact possible instead of we know, right here's your program, take it or leave it. So I'm, uh, there is a move in that it's starting to move. Some programs are moving that way. And I'm really glad that it's starting to, because that's how we're really going to make a big difference using sport. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's, that's, that's a, that's a good shift. And, and that, that runs along the lines of, yeah, some of the conversations I've had with Zach kind of even regarding businesses too. You know, Zach said there was, there's this kind of current shift toward, you know, instead of just having companies with employees, they, they give them actually ownership of these companies, right? They give them an onus. They, they work with them, not just, I'm the boss, you're, you know, you work for me. It's a very different example, but it's an, it's an, another example of kind of, um, you know, working better with people and kind of, you know, empowering, whether it be employees, whether it be communities that you're working with, right? So that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, 
Now, I wanted to kind of comment too, like you said that just the the personal development that you get from sport is like, I wanted to emphasize that because, you know, as someone who played at, I mean, the highest level I could have played for my age uh, for baseball, you know, like I, I honestly can't thank baseball enough for the amount of like life lessons it taught me. Like I always point out to people is baseball statistically is the sport of failure. It's like where if you get, if you have a 300 average, that means you failed seven out of 10 times. Right. So I've just been trained my whole life to be really good at getting kicked down. And it's like, all right, you just get up again. Cause like I, you know, statistically you just fail more than you do well. And if you did that for a whole career, you'd be in the hall of fame. Mm-hmm. Right. So you just, you get really used to that. It makes you so mentally resilient. And I, you know, I, I thank that for the resilience that I've been able to have in my academic career um, and just my life in general. I know basketball for Zach was really big. I don't know if you can comment on kind of what basketball did for you um, in that in that sense for your personal development yeah well I think if we and we're all like sports guys here and we can like again it goes back even to giving someone else to do where like you can turn to other avenues say like drug use or like negative impacts on society is like sport allowed us to uh, like go into different avenues of our life or like it's help outlet. us build it yeah like you're outletting all everything that you have right so um, and then a question on that too is, do you think that would be sport specific? Like in this case, you, you did rugby. Do you have any other kind of experience or feedback from, um, potentially other sports? Like, are there sports that are, are better for personal development, um, than others? Like, is, is that a thing that you've ever heard of at all? Um, I'm not sure about specifically, uh, for personal development, but the overwhelming sport that's used in sport for development initiatives is soccer or football, however you want to call it. Um, just because it's so known globally, um, it's also super easy to use in terms of, uh, equipment. Uh, you need a ball and that's it. So, and it's pretty straightforward. So that sport is, I think I, in a literature view, upward of 90% of sport for development programs uh, in the global south use soccer. So uh, that's what's commonly used. I think it's kind of a, un- I, I hesitate saying a universal thing in sport to, it will be personal development, but from my experience playing sports and coaching sports, I've done uh, various from rugby and American football to now I'm doing triathlons and ultra marathons. They all kind of teach you that that story of perseverance and like when you fail, you get back and you do it again. Um, so that might, might be a sport universe, a universal sport trait, but it's hard to tell, right? It depends on the context. Yeah. And I, and I think the one thing that all sports have in common is if you're going to be good at them and you're going to play them a lot, it's not the performance that matters. You don't have to be high caliber. It's what you do to get there, right? It's that's the the personal commitment. You know, it's it's the eating well. It's 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 the whole thing that kind of goes toward it. So I think, yeah, regardless of what you're learning, it's the process of learning it that's incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I also was really fascinated on here is, um, you said the community members, um, some of them were excited about sport development, so about the actual kind of higher caliber athletes that they might be having. Um, and their, their kind of optimism on on maybe even a global scale of, of, of com- competing in certain sports. I've seen a lot of people look at that pretty critically, right? And and I think understandably so. I think the worst case scenario would be that if you have a group of people that might be more vulnerable, you could have them exploited for their genetic traits, whether it be, you know, people from certain parts of the world. Like there could be stuff go on where 
maybe somebody with a lot of money is like, okay, you're going to do a bunch of these performance enhancing drugs and you're going to be the best real good player. They, they don't have an option. That's their only way out. And it could be a potentially very abusive kind of relationship. And I've heard those kind of concerns with, with training higher caliber athletes um, in some of these um, lower developed countries. Were you surprised at all to kind of see that the optimism from the community from that? And, and how do you think, um, how do you think you see that going in the future? Like, is that kind of, can that be a healthy thing? Um, I think I wasn't uh, really surprised uh, to see it in the community because just being around sports uh, my entire life, you get excited about things like going to the Olympics and the opportunities for playing against other countries. And in the region, there's a couple successful uh, programs like South Africa has an amazing 15s and sevens program. Zimbabwe, they've been on the world seven series before. So I understand where that excitement was coming from. Um, and I th think if it's handled properly, um, it can be extremely positive. It gives people a role model. It can bring uh, economic benefit into areas that, have more potential for sports it can create inequalities like you talked about and there can be power struggles but if it's handled properly both by the government um the national sporting organization that oversees rugby and any programs that are that are running rugby related programs or any high performance sport programs it can be very positive for the community and um we've all been a part of major sporting events like when Canada won the 2010 uh, Olympics for men's hockey like that really brought the country together so sport has kind of uh, opportunity so if a country or a community has that um, it can bring people together so I think there is great potential for both negatives and positives you just have to account for those negative fiddles. Fantastic Zach do you have any other questions? No, you did a really good job of like explaining everything. Like, no, this it was is all good. Yeah. This is really good. And honestly, I, I usually don't have this many questions. I, I'm really fascinated by the work. And I, I think it's, um, you know, you're doing great work. You know, the people you've, um, you know, volunteered with are doing great work. Um, and it's, it's nice to see that we've at least been able to kind of elaborate on, on what the future of this looks too as well, right? Like we've identified what those issues from some of the older programs might be, um, it seems like the the field kind of it's on a good path, um, and I don't know, Justin, if you want to kind of make a final comment about where you see that going in the future. But from what we've discussed, it it seems pretty seems bright. I like it. Yeah, um, from an academic perspective, the world of critical sport for development research has those scholars have been putting out awesome work and stuff that's very relevant and it's kind of guiding how I want to approach sport for development research. But I think what's important moving forward is academia and practice kind of working together to address these issues because it's, it, we need to think about those who are being impacted by these programs, the youth that are uh, being worked with in these programs, the communities, they're the real recipients and who we should be focusing on. So taking that research and eyeing it and yeah, you're right. Like the way the field's going, I'm very hopeful and it's starting to move that way. It's just continuing to do that hard critical research, but then figuring out, okay, now how do we do it the best we can and how do we make the biggest impact on the individuals we're in communities we're working with. So I think that's really what's moving forward in the field. As kind of a final question, I just thought of it now, um, is in our prior conversation, you had mentioned 
um, your, your passion for, for being a knowledge translator. You want to be the, the, the middle person between what's happening on the ground and what's happening in academia. Um, you know, and I think this was part of the reason why you, you wanted to come on the podcast so much was, you know, that's, that's what we do here is, is try to translate, you know, what we're learning in academia um, and how do we put that into practice. Um, so how important do you kind of think that that process is? Um, and do you think we're doing a better job of, you know, as society as, as translating this knowledge to, uh, to put it into practice? I think that's, that's vital. Um, we can't be doing the research just to do the research. It has to, it has to have an impact on those who are actually affected by these programs. Um, and I think that it's starting to move in that direction. Um, everything kind of goes in waves. So the, like there's a lot of academia research and then the practitioners get involved. So hopefully with the, the next movement in kind of the sport for development, um, trajectory that started in the early 2000s it's really like working together um to address these uh it's, and i i've seen more people who have been in academia been doing research-based programs that are moving into the practitioner space and i think that's important but always taking into account what is best for the community members individuals that we are working with fantastic well put justin thank you so much for coming on today this is i mean I, I think I could speak yeah. for Zach. It's been a great talk. I, I've really enjoyed this a lot. So your time is much appreciated. I know I know our audience will get a lot of value from this as well. All right. So yeah, thank you so much. That was great. So for Zach, um, go see. If you want to hear more about him? He didn't do a whole lot of talking, but if you want to hear him didn't talk. Didn't have to. He goes and talks. my job to see. <laughs> he talks a lot over on his podcast, The Fiscal Frisk. Fiscal if you want to Frisk. see him um, go over Thursday mornings, new episodes. Um, and go check out Chase Drew, wherever you get your music references um for justin's work um and maybe justin you can include some um you know references of, of other pieces of literature um for the listeners if they want to check that out um that'll all be in the description so you can find that we want to hear from you listeners so send us your your comments your suggestions we love feedback all the time so for zach and i and for justin stay happy and healthy and we'll see you next time on the health science podcast